0: Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both
1: in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama sisterhood around the world. So, whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago, or whether you
0: find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone.
1: Hi, mamas, and welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your host, Martha Ann. Ashley. It sounded like I was saying Martha Ann and Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad that's not your middle name we and... can play with it. Anne's our invisible co-host. Well, life is better now that we're all using our microphones correctly this morning. Afternoon. (laughs) We always have some. We should really do like a behind the scenes of what it looks
0: like before we hit record because it's usually not very seamless. I think
1: people would be shocked, appalled, worried for us. (laughs) <laughs> A combination of all of it. Those things, yes. Uh, well, today on the podcast, you know, sometimes we have the opportunity of interviewing mamas in the throes of the NICU, telling about their journeys and sharing with the sisterhood. And other times we have incredible experts from the fields of mental health, obstetrics, etc., here to inform us and educate us. Today we have the combination of both of those wonderful things and also <laughs> probably, I would say, the the Oprah of our community, Yes. <laughs> Parishat Deshpande, is welcome back to the podcast. Parishat is an integrative health specialist. She is a high-risk pregnancy specialist. Uh, she is a somatic trauma healer. She has so many different things. She's an author of Pregnancy Brain, which is pretty much the preeminent text on high-risk pregnancy and mental health, mind-body connection. She is wonderful, and we are so glad that you're back. It's been forever. It's been a long time, yes. <laughs> it's so nice to see you both. Yes, <laughs> so good to see you. And as usual, her makeup looks incredible. Mm-hmm. Her hair looks incredible. Mm-hmm. Her background looks perfect. Perfect. We are hot messes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, and Martha, you forgot to mention that she is also a Nikki mama herself. Yes, 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 of course. So she always comes at these conversations with the um, compassionate perspective of what it means to experience these feelings and this journey firsthand. And so, Parija, thank you so much for the work that you do and for always being on the podcast with us.
2: Oh my gosh, I love you both. So it's always a yes. (laughs) Yay.
1: The feeling is mutual. Oh, yeah. well, today we wanted to talk a little bit about trauma. Surprise, right. surprise, what else are we talk about. <laughs> um. But particularly in the context of of life after NICU, you know, we come home from the NICU where we've been in fight or flight mode. And that's when the realizations of how our bodies have changed has really set in in some ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Ashley, when we were talking before, you alluded to a lot of the questions that we get from moms in our our small groups asking about, when will I feel like myself again? Mm -hmm. Why is this happening to me? How can I, um, quote unquote, fix this so I can get back to mothering, right? Yeah. Um, those things come up all the time. Well,
0: and I think when we don't talk about it, we start to believe that, A, we're the only ones that experience it, and that, mm. B, that we're making it up. Like, maybe mm. this isn't really happening. Maybe it's just my anxiety. Maybe I just need to, you know, and then you start to really second guess that you don't know your body. And mm-hmm. so anytime that we've had the opportunity to talk about this, it feels so revolutionary for so many of us because it's it's stuff that we have never been
1: taught. Definitely. And that you're more than just a statistic, right? How many yes. times do we see 70% of NICU parents, you know, get X, Y, yeah. and Z diagnosis afterwards? And yeah. um, this, we're hoping to really sit with you, Parja, and demystify some of this so it doesn't mm-hmm. feel scary. Yeah.
2: yeah. Love it. Let's yeah. do it.
1: Let's jump in. Ash, <laughs> do you want to take the first question? Let's I feel like we're on Who it. Wants to be a Millionaire? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so one of our first questions we have is what happens to the brain or our body connection as a result of trauma and or of trauma and why does this connection happen?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, the connection happens because it's connected. Um, to, to start <laughs> a little cheeky. Uh, no, it, I mean, but there is truth to that, right? Is that w- I think when we talk about trauma, we think of it as a mental health issue. And that's kind of one of the things that I'm trying to change the narrative around and the communication mm-hmm. around is traumatic stress is a whole health issue that has mental health components and neurological components, cardiovascular components, respiratory components, reproductive components, digestive components. I mean, it affects everything. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's really, really important to say that, especially because not everybody will show mental health symptoms in response to traumatic stress. And Mm -hmm. right now we have a system set up where Providers are only looking for those symptoms, and if they don't see them, but they see chronic hypertension, chronic insomnia, autoimmune diseases, digestive issues show up, they're not Mm -hmm. making the connection. And I think that leaves people like me, certainly, kind of going, what, there's now 47 things wrong with my body than Mm -hmm. there were before? And so I think that's why it's, I love that you started here, because it really is actually connected. It affects everything.
1: Right. That makes me think of, I know that you had this too, Ash, like sometimes, you know, those questionnaires that are meant to gather information to assess you for depression and anxiety and, and mm-hmm. PTSD, So many times those were just left in the NICU, and I filled it out, and I was like, okay, great. Now, but they're all, like, now that you mentioned, they're all, like, cognitive-focused. Cognitive, yeah. Yeah, nothing was asking about, like, your physical responses at all. That's right. Right, right. Like, can you eat a peanut butter sandwich without throwing up? Nobody asked me that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, absolutely. Exactly. Oh, that's so wild.
1: Oh, look, insights already. Insight after insight. (laughs) Okay, so we talked about it's not just cognitive, it's not just intrusive thoughts, right? So what are some of those ways, I think you alluded to a couple of them, that trauma can show up in our bodies after a traumatic birth or a NICU experience or even as, you know, ongoing medical complexity arises with our children?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see changes in blood flow to certain um, structures in our brain that are meant to be changed because our body is functioning in survival mode and so we see changes to brain structures we see changes to blood flow in the brain we we see changes to our cardiovascular system oftentimes we it's very common to see elevated blood pressure hypertension elevated um Uh, pulse rates, kind of baseline resting rates are generally higher. We see Mm. a a significantly higher risk of autoimmune diseases, especially in NICU parents. Um, And uh, yeah, specifically in NICU parents, I'm seeing with my clients also is just significantly higher rate of autoimmune diseases um an exacerbation of respiratory issues if you've had asthma you might notice it's gotten flared up a little bit more lots of digestive issues that come up um you know it, it there's so many different ways that it can show up in in our bodies and our and in our brain
1: today's episode is brought
2: to you by every tiny
1: thing
0: every tiny thing designs and crafts journals care packages and more for families in the NICU founded, owned and operated by a practicing nicu nurse, every tiny things products aren't just gifts, they are meaningful tools which empower
1: parents, encourage involvement and inspire hope. From milestone cards, calendars and nicu wear, each item is designed to be as high quality and adorable as any traditional baby product, but made only for the nicu because nicu parents deserve the very best. Not to mention their caring and compassionate customer service. They understand the NICU experience intrinsically, and they're there for you every step of the way.
0: Best of all, they donate a portion of their profits to NICU-focused nonprofits, and they offer discounts for families looking to give back to their local NICU communities.
1: We highly recommend the NICU Essentials Bundle. It contains all their best-selling items, the journal, milestone cards, and NICU art, Packaged in a sweet NICU memories box to hold all your precious mementos from the NICU days. It's the perfect gift for yourself or loved ones, so you can honor and celebrate every tiny thing. For more information and to view their entire product catalog, be sure to
0: visit everytinything.com. So maybe for those of us listening that are, you know, very new to like trauma information or learning about trauma in the body, would you be able to just really quick do a synopsis of why this happens when we come home? We've talked with you before about like the fight or flight. And so why is it that all of
2: a sudden we're home and then we begin to experience all these things? Yes. Okay. Can I take this into an analogy? Please. Of course. (laughs) As always. Um, and I might have shared this before in, in previous episodes, but we'll do it again and highlight mm-hmm. this aspect of it. So we talk a lot about being chased by a bear. That's often an analogy that I use. And and I like that analogy because, one, it's usually far enough away from reality that we can kind of suspend belief a little bit to see it. But also it, it highlights the nice kind of predictable stress physiology uh, mm-hmm. pattern that we expect to see in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we start with kind of our baseline we're at camp, we're having a wonderful time, then we see the bear and we all go, oh my gosh. And then our bodies decide at a nonverbal level what our response is going to be. Is it going to be a fight? Is it going to be to run? Is it going to be to freeze and hide? Now let's take the example of we're all going to run. Let's just assume that for simplicity's sake. So we're all running through the the woods. That means, as we just talked about, our entire body has changed from our baseline to a, a way to support running. So blood flow is going to the extremities, we digestion has stopped because that is not essential to run faster reproductive hormones have slowed down or sh- uh, to some degree so because that is not essential to running thoughts blood flow for, to our prefrontal cortex and to a lot of our language structures have has been moved away because that is not essential to running and blood flow goes to all the parts of our body that are required to keep us running so now we get to the clearing we see the parking lot we go <gasps> Are, right we don't even have that thought right you notice that that's not something that's gonna happen in our head but we recognize it and we can imagine we sprint a little faster like oh mm-hmm. we're going right we get to the car we're probably fidgeting with our keys because we don't have dexterity in our fingers not essential to running so we don't have it we might drop the keys a little get in the car and then we gun it right still not noticing what's happening because we're still running so to speak mm-hmm. get on the freeway and then what happens? We notice how hot we are. Mm-hmm. We notice our heart rate racing. And we notice, oh my gosh, I'm sweating. My hands are all slippery on the steering wheels. So we take off our jacket and we turn on the air conditioning or open the windows. Then we start to notice the sound that's playing on the radio. Then we notice there's other people in the car. And then we can talk about, oh my gosh, can you believe that happened, right? I use that example because the car is us being at home, mm. right? We're at home now and it is only when we no longer need to run or fight mm. or hide that the symptoms, quote unquote, start to feel out of place. Mm. We don't need a beating heart and sweating and breathing really fast when we're sitting in a car, but we do need it when we're running. And so there was it was being used and so we didn't need to notice it and also we don't have access to that level of introspection when we're running mm-hmm. we get home we're actually in a safer environment so to speak in the sense that okay we're not an imminent danger Babies not an imminent danger even if they come home with health complications and that's us in the car and we mm-hmm. go oh i'm really hot oh i'm still really anxious Mm. Oh, I don't really trust anyone with my kid. You know, and that's when we start to notice it. It's not that there's something new that's wrong. It's not that there's something you're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. It's that we now have the ability to experience the survival energy that was required in the NICU that may not be required in the same way at home. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Yeah. I think it's really helpful to feel like, um, to really, you know, we, we can name those experiences that we're having, like the sensations that we're experiencing in our body and say, it's not that this isn't that I'm broken. Right. It's just that this sensation is just out of place. Right. Like you said, it's just the wrong plug in the wrong spot in our life experience. I, I really like thinking of it that way because it, it puts us, it takes us out of the equation. There is no like anything moral wrong with us or there's not a a lack of um, resiliency right that's right our bodies are doing exactly what they were supposed to do right
2: right right and that analogy i think also helps to remind us that there's supposed to be a lag effect right that just because we get in the car doesn't mean it shuts off and we're suddenly back to normal everything's fine as we somehow expect to be or are expected to be when we come home from the NICU, that's, that's not how it works in our bodies. There mm. is a lag effect. There is time that is required. And then in the case of traumatic stress, sometimes actual effort that is required to help us release that survival stress that's been coursing through our body to keep us going through the woods that now is no longer needed now that we're in the car or at home after the NICU.
0: And maybe this is jumping ahead, so maybe this is a question for later on in the episode once we've kind of acknowledged what more of these physical elements can look like, but it can be, you know, even though we know these things, even though we know, like, this is how our body is acting, it can be incredibly frustrating. Totally. Because you're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I'm yeah. finally home, I'm finally safe, and now my body can't relax. <laughs> you know, so, yes. you know, how can we speak to ourself in a way that acknowledges, like, your body is protecting you, and yet, you know, does that, does that question make sense? Because it, it can feel really frustrating to be in your body and not feel safe in it when you, yes. when you envisioned that this time in your life finally would feel good.
2: Yes. I, I think I would answer that question with a question. Instead of saying something to yourself, I would ask something to yourself. What do I need right now to feel safe? Mm. Because you can tell yourself you're safe till you're blue in the face And it doesn't hit. It doesn't stick. Because the lack of safety or the existence of safety is determined at a nonverbal level. Mm -hmm. And so really, it becomes more of an exploration. Okay, I'm home. Baby's home. And whether there are complications or not, I wanted to feel different than I'm feeling now. So what's the gap? Mm -hmm. And not in terms of something that's missing. It's what does my body need that it's not getting right now? Mm-hmm. Right? We do that with hunger. If Our stomach grumbles. We go, mm-hmm. what do I need? Well, obviously we now as adults know it's food and then we'll go get it. Oh, my mouth <laughs> Sometimes is we Sometimes, Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't. You're right. No, it's <laughs> true. My <husband> doesn't
1: know uh, <laughs> until it's way too late. <laughs> this to is going. true. But then yes. we get hangry and then somebody yes. tells us, yes.
2: have <laughs> you eaten? Uh, right? But we we know how to fill those gaps with our mm-hmm. other basic needs. And so this is the same kind of thing. Getting really curious, non-judgmentally curious. My body needs something right now. What is it that it needs? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So when we typically think about trauma, we think about flashbacks, we think about panic attacks of a lot of what we've not only experienced, but seen in the movies, you know, everywhere. Yeah. So what are some of those lesser known physical symptoms that actually could be manifestations of trauma?
2: Yeah. I uh, Flashbacks, nightmares, certainly. Um, there's just kind of intrusive thoughts in general. You know, you might just have something pop up in your mind when nothing else is happening. Uh, I see a lot of chronic pain, a mm-hmm. lot of chronic physical tension, especially kind of in the shoulders, jaw, kind of um, lots of chronic headaches, migraines. I see a lot of secondary infertility. In, mm-hmm. So I work with clients when they're and they're preparing for the next pregnancy after NICU, and a much higher rate of secondary infertility because there's changes to the hormonal system. Mm-hmm. There's maybe more inflammation in the body that wasn't there before. Um, we can see insomnia, lots of disruption to sleep, either issues falling asleep or issues staying asleep. I find this especially to be true if something that happened in your pregnancy or during the NICU stay happened in the middle of the night, you might find yourself waking up around that time of night over and over and over, especially when it's that time of year as well. We, like our bodies really remember these things. I was actually just talking to a client the other day about that. Um, She noticed we were doing a lot of really amazing work. She made a lot of progress and then the season changed and she Mm -hmm. noticed that it it affected her ability to fall asleep. And, you know, we do the original kind of, okay, sleep hygiene. Is everything going blah, 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 blah. Okay, sure. Everything's fine. And we were able to track it to when she went out for her like evening walk after dinner because of the smell in the air in this particular season where she lives reminded her body, it's a somatic memory mm-hmm. of when she went into labor with her child. And it was a scary kind of birth experience for her. Um, and so those kinds of things pop up, right? And we can track it to those kinds of experiences. So it, it really can and be quite varied, I tend to look at it from a trauma-informed lens is if you have checked out all the medical side and there's nothing new that's wrong, the next question is when did this begin or when did this get worse? And almost always we can track it back to something that the person identifies as traumatic, which I will never know what's traumatic for you. That is all your experience, right? and we can track it back there and we can say okay what elements of that are contributing to what's going on here and what are the patterns we're always looking for patterns and when you do that you can start to kind of piece the puzzle together of how is this showing up in my body
1: whoa that is crazy
2: i know I- it's so neat
1: um, I had this realization with because I've actually been seeing my endocrinologist. We've talked a little bit about this too, Ash, because my um, hormones are completely out of whack, which is LOL funny. I mean, normal for women too, to some extent. But one thing I didn't know because I'm a ding dong with a theater arts degree was that cortisol is a hormone.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. Which makes sense, right? So that's what's released in our body. So why wouldn't it have adverse mm-hmm. or, or transformational effects on your other levels too? I mean – I think um, the interconnectedness of our bodies is, um, although it can be frustrating, like you said, Ashley, I'm also like in awe of how we all just get through every day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, For sure. It's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. So let's say that we've acknowledged these physical symptoms that we are like, okay, I think this is actually a reflection of my trauma, but... There's not somebody in our area or local region like you that specializes mm-hmm. in this work. Like, where do we start? Who do we talk to? Do we talk to our doctor about this? Do we work on it ourselves? I mean, like, what is like a tangible next step of like, mm-hmm. okay, I've acknowledged this isn't, you know, this is a trauma response. And then what?
2: Yes. Um, well, I do work virtually. So you could stack. That's true. <laughs> yes. <that's> yes. True. <laughs> and we
0: will link that in the show notes. <laughs>
2: Um, No, actually, seriously, this is why I actually started my inner circle is for Mm -hmm. that very next step, because the truth of the matter is there are very, very few people in the world that I actually would even feel comfortable referring to when people ask us, can I work with somebody locally? I honestly tell them I can't speak to the quality of their work because when Mm. we talk about somatic work and then we talk about integrative work and then trauma informed, you start combining all of these I genuinely don't know anyone else who is doing this work from this perspective. So Mm -hmm. the inner circle is actually a really great place to to take it one step farther because what we often tend to jump to is, okay, got it, my hypertension, trauma-related, I understand, how do I fix it? That's often the next Mm -hmm. question. (laughs) And that is actually not the next question. Mm. The next question often is, what is this hypertension telling me about what I've been through and what my body needs right now Mm -hmm. and those are the questions that we answer in the inner circle because what we want to start practicing doing before we fix anything quote-unquote is getting curious about our bodies Mm -hmm. if we're really taking a trauma-informed approach we're not actually fixing anything we are coming from the approach that what my body is doing right now makes perfect sense given what I have been through and we've got to have total buy-in on that. Otherwise, no matter what we try, we're going to be left dissatisfied and frustrated because it's not working well enough. And that's often because we're still missing some part of the puzzle. So retraining ourselves to get curious first. Yeah. And then we go into, okay, what do I do about that? That comes after. I say this totally as somebody who has done this personally <laughs> right, yeah. and been through the whole. Why isn't it working? <laughs> um, so I get it. I know that it, it can be frustrating to slow it down like that, and also this really, really does work when you follow this right. this mm-hmm. gently.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it would. Ta- it takes for moms in twenty twenty two a radical reorganization of priorities to do this
2: yes yes I love that phrasing yes absolutely Mm
0: -hmm. well and I love what you said you mentioned we want to fix it and then it goes back to what Martha said initially of we feel broken Mm -hmm. but what you just reiterate there is that you don't need to be fixed there's nothing wrong with you there's nothing broken to be fixed it's re-getting to know our bodies, re-getting to know ourselves and what do we really need. And even that in and of itself is like incredibly healing. Yes,
2: it is. Oh,
0: that's beautiful. So when it feels like, you know, we have these trauma responses, we're home now, and now we're excited to bond with our baby. But all of a sudden, that feels impossible <laughs> because we don't feel safe our bodies don't feel safe we're still trying to get to know our babies you know then we start this awful shame cycle again of I am broken my baby doesn't love me maybe I'm a bad mom you know we go down these awful awful spirals so why does this happen and what can we do like tangibly to interrupt that cycle
2: oh yes that is so real I mean, can we just hold that for a minute? That is so real. And it almost feels like these are my words. I don't know if this resonates with anyone else, but it almost feels like you put yourself in a prison of, I really want this, and yet I feel like I can't have it because. And I know for me, it was, well, you couldn't keep your baby safe. You were barely pregnant. Mm -hmm. Do you deserve this? Really? Do you deserve the title? Of mom, really, and that's how it showed up for me. So I really, really get that. Mm-hmm. And um, I know in our in your last event, we talked about shame, actually, to to some degree. And you know that is it's an insidious experience, and it really makes you believe it that it's real. And if there's one thing any listener takes away from that is to to know that those words are not real and they're coming from the state of survival that you're in they're rooted in what your body is doing but they're not i mean they're probably the least real accurate honest words you are telling yourself and you know sometimes it'll help maybe for some people to have others remind you of that I think for some people having notes around of the opposite, you have that available. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes I find that when we're stuck in that cycle and like really deep in it, it's not a mindset shift that we need. It again goes back to my body is trying to protect me. There's nobody to blame because there isn't actually a bear. The bear was me and I was the bear for my baby and we're kind of taking this to ourselves you know we go really deep like that and so again to get really curious what does my what is my body asking for when it is screaming at me with these awful words and these awful thoughts it still needs something and for those of your listeners who have had toddlers around whether your own children or anywhere else They scream all kinds of terrible (laughs) things at you, right? You know they don't mean it. And we as either parents or caregivers or other family members, we can go, hmm, I think they're tired. They might be hungry. Have they drank water in a little while? I think they need some outside time. You see how we kind of go into that solution, kind of what's happening here? Same thing we've got to do for ourselves. My brain is screaming at me like my toddler sometimes does. Mm what does it actually need right now?
1: Mm. Yeah. I think it's interesting to think of, too, because for so many of us, the things that, and this will bring us into our next question, that helped us relieve stress and tension and anxieties, those things that could help, like, fulfill and and be sufficient for our needs pre-trauma might not be enough afterwards. And that's also frustrating, too. Totally. It's like the goalpost moved and you weren't even aware. I think you you don't anticipate it. It might just happen anyway for moms who don't experience birth trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I I wonder what are some tangible ways we can find relief for physical stress due to trauma um, that are, like, real for real life because mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to imagine doing – you know a 30-minute yoga session or meditation <laughs> yeah. maybe that's a, like part of your your stress relieving bible for people so it's very real but i can't go on a silence retreat ashley and i were talking about this you can't go on a silence retreat every weekend nope it's just <laughs> right. not gonna happen <laughs> also that sounds terrifying right? <laughs> <laughs> my yes. silence retreat is hiding in my bathroom for my child yep that's yeah yeah
2: right there so with
1: what you. what are some of those
2: those tactics we could try do you know what's interesting? I'm finding um, that I'm working on with clients that could be a really great place to start with this is we often talk about trauma healing as how do we make ourselves feel less with the traumatic stress, right? Um, how do and I? I'm actively trying to avoid the words "feel better," but you know what I'm getting yeah. at, right? Is we're how do I not feel like this? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we forget that there's a flip side to that is how do I want to feel? Because as we are learning how to not feel like this, we have to grow into how do we want to feel? How do I want to feel in my body? How do I want to feel as a parent? How do I want to feel with my child and away from my child? And all of these things. That flip side, we always forget. And that's often why I find that efforts to not feel like this don't stick is because we're not filling it with something else. Um, And we don't have the capacity for for that other thing. So all that to say, I have been loving guiding clients towards building the capacity for pleasure. Mm -hmm. And pleasure is my word. You can fill it with joy, with peace, with ease, with silence, whatever it is that that it is you want. But starting to get really familiar with your impulses of what do I want right now? Mm -hmm. And that can start really simply with I'm thirsty, so I'm not going to take care of anyone else right now until I drink some water, right? It it often has to start that simply. Oh, my bladder is filling up, and I don't enjoy it when it's hurting before I go to the bathroom. I'm going to go now, right? Mm -hmm. I'm feeling sleepy, so even though I haven't had a lot of time alone during the day, I'm going to allow my body to go to sleep Mm -hmm. early, which again, asterisk, very hard to do when you haven't been alone all day totally get that mm, okay. but what you're doing is you're recognizing your body's impulses of what you do want mm. so it kind of flips our attention away from what i don't want to what do i want and sometimes it starts with well, what do i need i need sleep i need food i need water i need connection right mm. i'm lonely i want to talk to somebody really leaning into those impulses and the The more we can do that on this basic level, then we can take it to the next level and go, oh, I used to paint. I miss painting. Let me see Mm -hmm. if I can take five minutes and paint or something like that, right? Because we start retraining our body to go, it is safe to recognize what I want. It is safe for me to give it what I want. And it is safe to enjoy what it is that I am doing or giving myself,
1: Mm -hmm. right? And just like that pulls you, that can help out with the same cycle too, right? Because you could yeah. also replace that with, I deserve to have water. Yeah. I deserve to have sleep. I deserve to do things that I love and enjoy, Right. Yes. So it's funny you say
0: that, Martha. I literally just wrote down what do I deserve because I wanted to go <laughs> back.
1: I was seeing you. I was like, Ashley's taking notes on everything Parijat's saying right now. I didn't watch it. She was like, oh, <laughs> well, why? no, and it
0: helps me think of other questions yes. because you said something earlier, Parijov, like when you felt like your body hadn't done its job, you wondered if you deserve to feel good again. Yep. So, you know, What can a mom tangibly tell herself who's stuck in that shame cycle of, well, maybe I don't deserve to paint. Maybe I don't deserve to feel good again. You know, what are some gentle things we can say to ourselves that get us out of that shame cycle?
2: Yeah. I'll be honest. I don't know it's anything you can say to yourself. I think you can try. I think you're probably already trying. Right. And it's probably not resonating. Right. And again, it's because what is the function of that word? That phrase, I'll use my example. So if I'm telling myself I don't deserve to be a mom, what what is the function of that? Well, it keeps me from experiencing the joy of having this child at home. Why does it do that? Because it's keeping me safe. Why do I feel like I need to be safe around my child? Because mm. I still don't feel safe in my body. And it mm. goes back to that question. What does my body need to feel safe right now? Right. And for me at that time, it was to come out of what I now know was a freeze response right. to build the capacity to feel the activation of, of fight or flight and then to come release all of that and come into physiological safety, uh, which I discovered later. Okay. But, <laughs> but, but that's really kind of the thought process that ended up happening. If you can call it a thought process, it was really the, the experiential process of mm. there's a purpose here. Why am I telling this to myself? Because it's coming from a particular state that my body is in and it is a state that is needing something that it doesn't have yet.
0: Yeah. Right. That's beautiful. And it sounds like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like this process will take a little bit of time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I liken it to, you know, like couch to 5K mm. and then later running a marathon you we just can't do it overnight right and it's not because it's hard it's because it requires repetition Mm. to override the repetition that has happened for the weeks or months or years that the survival response was in the driver's seat right right
0: no that's so good If you are a long-time listener of the Dear Nicky Mama podcast, or you have found yourself enjoying this
1: episode, we would greatly appreciate a review
0: on iTunes
1: reviews on apple and other platforms help other mamas and friends just like you find our podcast help boost us so that we are more available and accessible to others and they let us know that you're loving what you're hearing too so we love to hear the stories that you're connecting with we
0: love to hear how the episodes resonate with you and having that review is a great way for us to get a really tangible feel of how this podcast resonates with your heart there's a mom listening that's maybe 10 years out mm-hmm. of her NICU experience is it too late Parisha?
2: <laughs> never it's never ever say that never, again never. <laughs> never ever ever never ever ever too late never late. yeah never 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 mm-hmm. never
1: I hope that people moms listening to this have a lot of hope yeah because what you're saying is very hopeful right that yeah there there isn't anything wrong with us our bodies are functioning we just need to remind them of, uh, our bodies of, of how they can feel safe again. Um, it takes practice, but, but we can do it. You can, you can do it. Anyone can, um, kind of like Bob Ross. Anyone can paint. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyone can trauma heal. Um, but I also think it's really hopeful to think about the fact that you, I think of you as like a really pivotal part of this community, um, because you are a spearhead and this light and slowly, you know, people are learning to get these extra credentials, you know, slowly it's turning the tide of obstetric care and things like that. And endocrinology and all the different parts, this integrative care kind of revolution. So I'm really hoping that, um, that you are this goalpost of where other providers start heading. So I really mm.
2: appreciate you. I just wanted to say that. I think it's, it's mm. transformative. Oh, I appreciate you saying that so much. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. I, and truly, I mean, for anyone who's kind of new to anything I'm saying, it really stems from my own experience. I would not have known. And really, it stems from this idea that I went through infertility, loss, very high-risk pregnancy, and then an extremely preterm delivery. And then to the point about this podcast is then he came home and I wasn't there for it. I mean, I was there, but I wasn't there. And there was nothing more heartbreaking than to be there in these moments that we had fought every day for. And then because of my background in clinical psychology, which had already started flipping its head and I was noticing all these gaps just through pregnancy, which is what led me to do this work to begin with. But it really highlighted the gaps then afterwards because I had the tools. I was the person you would come to anyway. Mm -hmm, And it was being the mom and trying all these things and going, nothing's working. I can't think myself out of this. I can't change my thoughts. Nothing's sticking. I know what to say to myself and it's not working. And that really is what, what the, what the catalyst was. So, which is why I keep going back to the body is because I don't want more people stuck in that state of oh my gosh, I'm trying everything Everything. and I'm just not feeling better. And I really want people to know, I'm going to get emotional, um, that there really is hope. Mm -hmm. You're not at the end of the road. You can enjoy this life that you fought for. Mm -hmm. You can get back into a body that you feel good about. You can enjoy your life again. Mm -hmm. And it may not be exactly how it was before. You will be different and that's okay there's there's a whole process in integrating that too, but this is not the end of the road. Mm. It's not it. there is hope and and that's really where all of this stems from and I hope people can hear that
1: mm. <laughs> you're crying, yeah um,
0: so and maybe it's something that you've personally experienced, Persia, or maybe it's something that you've seen and it's some of your mom's or your clients experience, but Would you be willing to just share like a basic testimonial of like what a flip could look like? I know you mentioned like a mom being able to exercise safely in her body again, or just like an example of, you know, what this work can look like when it's done in that repetition and over time, just to like kind of encourage that hope again.
2: Oh, yes. I would love to. (laughs) This is for sure going to make me cry. I'm just going to say, um, (laughs) I have seen, we'll start with with health stuff since that's how we started here. I've seen autoimmune diseases go into remission. I've mm. seen chronic pain disappear. I've seen migraines disappear. I've seen sleep come back. So even though kids may not be sleeping all the way through the night all the time, they're waking up rested. Mm. I have seen clients, uh, you mentioned exercise getting back to exercising without panic attacks. Mm -hmm. I've seen clients who had become, as we all know what that initial RSV season of isolation is like, um, then being stuck there for some time, but then being able to get social again, connect Mm -hmm. with their friends again without anxiety, without panic. Mm -hmm. I've seen people be able to um, hire babysitters, nannies, Mm -hmm. bring their moms in who they weren't even comfortable with so that they could go out on a date night Mm -hmm. or a date day or date 30 minutes, (laughs) you know, um, they got out, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and I would say for myself, the biggest, biggest one was I started singing again. Mm -hmm. I got to access my voice in a way that I would not let myself access for years. Mm -hmm. I got to do Mm -hmm. that again.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. That's Luckily. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like, okay, sure. Uh. And she sings too, America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I think so it cool. just
0: reiterates this idea that like you deserve it and it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Like it is yeah. worth the time. You are worth the time. To reclaim those mm. parts of yourself or rediscover new parts of yourself, yeah. like the trauma does not get to define the next part of your life, you no. know. Like, and I think it just reiterates that it's it's worth it. You are yeah. worth it. You mm-hmm. deserve it, and that's powerful. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's so
1: cool. Again, I can't reiterate how <laughs> how much people should um, look into all of the things that you offer yes. as part of your services. Yes. Obviously, all of your client services pregnancy brain is fantastic even if you're not um actively pursuing another pregnancy there's so many good nuggets in there that Mm -hmm. are good for trauma healing and then um delivering miracles your podcast is has so many wonderful things so you can almost like keyword search in there too for really great topics so Mm -hmm. i really just encourage our listeners to go look at all of your resources you're terrific wonderful 10 out of 10 um (laughs) a plus gold star i can't think (laughs) of any other (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. Well, no, and
0: we'll make sure to link all of the ways that moms can connect with you and your services in the show notes. and, um, And like Martha said, you are definitely leading in this work and we want all of our moms to have the opportunity to connect with you. And so we will link all of that in the show notes. Well, mamas, Parja, first of all, thank you for being here as always. And thank you for the important work that you do to um, remind us that we deserve good things. Oh, I cry every time I do these outros. (laughs) So so bad. (laughs) Um, But thank you for the work that you do to help us reclaim those parts of ourselves that maybe we feel are lost or rediscover the parts of ourselves that we deserve. And so thank you. And to all of the moms listening, I hope you hear these truths that you are not broken. You are not someone or something to be fixed that you are the best mother for your baby and that there is hope. And so we hope that this episode reaffirms that your body is not against you. It is for you and you can, and you will get to that place of healing. So in this journey of healing, know that you are never alone. You have a sisterhood of women who stand alongside you every step of the way, and we will get there together. So Thank you so much for being here with us as always. We love all of you and um, we will be back next week with another wonderful story. But thank you for sharing this space with us. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or a private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood.